Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 18 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I am coming to you from the Batcave. If this is your first time stumbling on the podcast or the YouTube channel, I am a full-time reseller, part-time podcaster, part-time YouTuber working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area, and this channel is all about the flip life. In today's episode, we have got a absolutely enormous reselling news recap. There is a ton of stuff to go over today. We'll have the weekly and month end October. We're already a third of the way through Q4 uh, business updates for Galaxy CDs Rocks, but I wanted to start off talking about auctions on eBay and are they are they dead? Um, is the is the auction heyday over on eBay? And I, I would say it's probably long been over. I don't think auctions are completely dead. If you caught the episode on Wednesday, I had an item that I started at thirty bucks that went to eighty eight dollars and a penny. So there are still opportunities for auctions. Uh, so they're not dead, but they're certainly on life support. In the old days, now I've been on eBay since two thousand, um, off and on probably more off than on over the last decade, but back in olden times in the late nineties, early two thousands, auctions were King, man. That was where you made your money. You started the thing super, super low at whatever a dollar. And you just let people go crazy spending their money, or at least trying to spend their money on your item. And you watch the price of the thing go through the roof. That was a lot of fun. That's not how it works anymore. <laughs> uh, if you've been following along, I have periodically run auctions. Now, I, I do, on average, over the last three months or so, probably 200 listings a week. And of that 200, I might try one or two auctions. So I'm not personally doing a bunch of them. And we'll get into in a little bit kind of how I determine when I am going to try to do them. But I don't do a ton of them. And the reason for that is eBay has changed. Their focus has shifted from the auction-oriented site that they were at the beginning to much more of a traditional commerce site. You have a price, you make a purchase, and you get on with life. And I think that's happened for two reasons. One, it's made more sense for eBay. And two, it's made much more sense for buyers. And buyers have changed over the years. And as I often do, I'll lay a lot of that Blame probably is a strong word, but the reason for that on Amazon. So with an eBay auction, in a lot of cases, it was a race to the top on price. If you wanted an item, you had to bid higher even than you think the item might be worth if you wanted to get it. And Amazon kind of flipped that script. It was a total race to the bottom. They were trying to offer you items as cheaply as possible. And the other thing was that they were getting them to you as quickly as possible. So there's no waiting around to see if you actually can buy something and then waiting longer to get it. With Amazon, you saw the item, you wanted the item, you clicked buy, you bought it, and literally in some cases less than 24 hours later, it was on your doorstep. With eBay, if you found an item and it was at auction and you put in your max bid, you might be waiting three, five, seven, ten days for the auction to close before you found out if you even won the item. And then you're waiting longer for the seller to process your order, ship it, and then for the thing to get through 
whatever, USPS, UPS, however it was coming to get to you. So there was this huge delay. And in an age of instant gratification, spurred again somewhat by Amazon's business model, that kind of process just doesn't work anymore. Customers aren't interested in doing that unless you've got something super, super unique that is in reasonably high demand, but super low supply. So I'll give you an example. A friend of mine, Stan, a viewer of the channel, longtime friend, I've known the guy since, gosh, fifth grade. He reached out to me this week and he's got a box set of CDs that he wants to sell on eBay. And he looks at the comps and there are two solds within the last two months. One of them went for $179.99 plus shipping. The other one went for $5 plus shipping. The difference between the two, the expensive one was a buy it now and the auction, the other one was an auction. So that person tried the old school method. I'm going to list this thing low and let people bid like crazy. The problem is while the supply was pretty constrained on that item, demand just wasn't there. Now, clearly there was somebody willing to pay $180 for it because somebody did in a buy it now. The problem is, at the time of that auction, there weren't two guys <laughs> that were willing to pay $180 for that item. It turned out there was only one bid on that particular CD. So it went for the starting price, five bucks. That guy's top bid may have been, who knows, two, $300, but because nobody bid against him, it went for $5. That's where you can get into trouble with auctions. So we'll talk again in a minute about if you're going to do an auction, how I think you should set it up. But if you do it that old school way where you put it low and you hope it goes crazy, you better hope there's significant demand for that item. So are auctions still viable? Yes, in some cases. They're very, very limited in, in my opinion. And again, I'm not trying to tell you how to run your business. I'm just telling you kind of what my experience is and what I do with mine. There's basically three times that I will consider and run an auction. The first is I can't determine an actual value. There are either no comps for the item or they're wildly varying. Like for instance, the one we just discussed that was anywhere from $5 to $180. I might put that at auction, but I would certainly treat it differently than that guy did. The second would be where there's incredibly low supply and super high demand. And you can see a history of items selling for high prices at auction. You, Cause you can see that you can see there've been multiple bids on an item that sold. That would be another time. The third, and I hear a lot of other sellers that do this as well. If I am blowing out some old inventory, I've got some stuff I just want to get rid of. I put a dirt cheap price on it to blow it out. I put it at auction just in case there is some demand and I hope for the best. That's about the only times I would run auctions. The difference being today, I'm not going to start that box set, for instance, at $5. What I would do in those cases would be start it at the absolute lowest price that I would accept for that item. So $49.99, $89.99, $100, who knows, whatever, whatever number you put on it, that would be the absolute, if you were going to Put it at a buy it now and accept offer. What's the lowest offer you would take? Because there's a really good likelihood if you put it at auction, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get one bidder, maybe two, 
they're going to try to lowball it and you're going to get stuck selling it at that low price. So again, my personal philosophy is I price it at the lowest price I would take and then work from there. In some cases, that's worked. Again, if you caught the episode on Wednesday of last week, I had the item that I started at $30. There were widely ranging comps on that, anywhere from about 40 to about 200 Mine was not in the greatest shape, so I took a chance on it. I put it out at $29.99, starting bid, and I, I got lucky with that one. It went to $88 and a penny. There are other times where I have an item that I'm not real sure of, and I'll put it out there for whatever starting price, $19.99, $29.99, and it is crickets. I don't hear anything. There's no bids, no nothing. And the auction ends, and it doesn't sell, and I switch it to a buy it now and just run with it in my regular inventory. But start the auction at the lowest price you would accept for the item, not the $1 or $5 of old. The other option with an item like that, and the one I generally pursue more frequently, is I price the thing super high. I'll put it at $299, $399, $499, and accept offers. My personal experience is that, generally speaking, I seem to get, it feels like, more money doing it that way than by doing them at auction. So I'll start at it. I've, I've got one that I actually declined an offer on the other day. I've got something listed for $399.99 or best offer. I have literally the only one listed on eBay right now. I got an offer of 200 bucks. I countered. I, I'd sent out some offers on that item at 15% off, which was like $339.99. So I sent that guy a counter offer with an explanation. Hey, I've got the only one of these on eBay. I've offered a couple other people 15% off. I'll make you the same offer. I would do it for $339.99. He declined. No harm, no foul. It's still sitting there. I'll wait and see what happens with it. Um, I probably should have taken the $200. <laughs> it's one of those CDs I own for three and a half cents. It would have been a nice flip. Uh, but I, again, I literally have the only one listed. So I assume at some point it's going to sell. I'm not really sweating that one. But that's an example of I could have put that at auction for 99 bucks. That guy would have bid $200 on it and I'd have ended up selling it for the $99 because there was there wasn't any other interest. So that's that's the risk that you take if you do an auction. So let me know what you think. Are you running auctions? Are you having any luck with them? Uh, leave me a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment down below. If you are listening on the podcast, you can send me an email at galaxycds at gmail.com or you can go to anchor.fm slash galaxy cds rocks and there you can leave a voice message for me let me know do you run auctions how do they do for you what kind of items do you auction where are you doing your starting prices what kind of strategy are you using for auctions i hope somebody found that helpful useful or beneficial if you did if you're watching on youtube give me a thumbs up and with that we're going to take a quick sponsor break a uh, quick shout out to my man, Timmy P, the individual contributor to the show. Timmy, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we will be right back. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips. And follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again.
news updates. All right, everybody, let's get uh, stuck into the news here. We're going to start off with a quick warning for our European listeners or viewers. If you're in the UK or several other European countries, I don't have the full list for you. Uh, you need to log into your PayPal account. PayPal is set to introduce a 12 pound or 12 euro per year fee for what they deem inactive accounts. Uh, you can act now to dodge this fee. All you need to do is log in. So PayPal is going to start charging 12 pounds per year for every user who has not logged in, received money or withdrawn money for over a calendar year. The move comes into effect on December 16th. So you've still got some time to get this done. Uh, but from 16 December 2020, if your account has been an inactive for over 12 months, you'll be charged a fee, which is the lesser of 12 pounds or your entire PayPal balance. So if you've only got 10 pounds in there, they're going to take it all. Uh, if you don't have any money in your PayPal account or your balance is negative, PayPal says you won't be charged a fee, even if you have a credit or debit card linked to the account. So... I'd recommend for everybody, regardless of where you are, just sign into your account once a year. You probably should be checking it every now and then anyway, just to make sure everything is like it's supposed to be. But there you go. If you're in, in Europe, especially, you need to log in before 16 December of this year if you haven't been in there to avoid this fee. Moving on to Amazon Recode, and I will link to all of these articles in the show notes and the uh, video description below. So if you want to read more about these things, you can certainly go do that. Uh, Recode as an article, Amazon has created fertile ground for bribery schemes, sellers say. Uh, in the wake of a $100 million Amazon bribery scandal, sellers say the tech giant deserves more scrutiny for suspending merchants with no warning and little explanation. Last month, U.S. federal authorities indicted six e-commerce consultants and former Amazon employees in a $100, $100 million bribery scheme in which insiders allegedly accepted payments to help certain Amazon merchants on the platform and hurt others. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you caught that podcast, uh, this was a pretty big, pretty big deal. So... In the weeks since the indictments, a half dozen top-earning Amazon sellers have told Recode that the consultants and former employees indicted should, of course, face the legal consequences if they broke the law. But these same top sellers also argued that the problem is much bigger than a few bad apples and that Amazon deserves scrutiny for creating the fertile ground for bribery schemes to blossom. The reason? Amazon's inability or refusal to consistently offer adequate support to its 1.7 million sellers when they have issues, especially when it comes to suspensions that Amazon hands down with little explanation and sometimes no warning. And you see this from time to time on the various Facebook groups, YouTube channels, people saying, my account just got suspended and I have no idea why. Uh, Amazon is really, really tough on their sellers. It's one of the reasons I've ultimately elected not to sell again on the platform. I've gone round and round about it. And I just, with the fee structure being what it is and it's the seeming likelihood of being suspended without warning. I just, I've just decided that it's not worth the hassle for me. I'm probably costing myself some money there, but I just, it looks like a, a tough road to hoe. Um, they go on to say, on top of these issues, it's not uncommon for sellers to languish in Amazon purgatory for weeks or months 
trying to reinstate their business either on their own or with the help of an ecosystem of consultants, some of whom prey on merchants' desperations. With Amazon, you are guilty until proven innocent, it says. Uh, They go on to say, talk to any Amazon seller that does significant business on the site, and there's a good chance they have a similar tale or know a peer who does. Just this August, a LinkedIn post detailing a similar suspension problem that was written by the founder of a car dashboard camera retailer was widely read in the Amazon seller community. Titled, Please Help, an open letter to Jeff Bezos, Amazon leadership, and the seller performance team, it described how Amazon had suspended the seller out of nowhere and for six months had claimed that the seller forged documentation. Two days after the president of the Dashcam store posted the cautionary tale, Amazon reinstated his selling account with a boilerplate email. No explanation or apology was given. The way Amazon currently handles their relationships with third-party sellers is fundamentally broken in a variety of ways, he wrote in a message to Recode, although it does appear Amazon is slowly taking steps to overhaul this. Some sellers have turned to the paid seller support program that Amazon offers as a type of insurance against these unexpected problems. Amazon charges a monthly fee of between $1,600 and $5,000 for the program, depending on the size of the seller's business. Uh, An Amazon spokesman said the optional paid program provides sellers with business guidance on topics such as inventory management, merchandising, and global expansion, but does not provide expedited account resolution when Amazon suspends an account or takes other actions. Sellers who use the program or are familiar with it agreed that the paid internal Amazon reps do not directly resolve suspensions or other major account issues, but these sellers said many merchants pay the fee simply so they have a specific person they can get on the phone to point them in the right direction when something big goes wrong. One seller said, quote, They've set up the exact same business model as Tony Soprano. Pay us to help protect you from us. (laughs) Uh, He went on to say, it's messed up. The seller doesn't pay for the program today, uh, but he said he probably would in the near future as he hears more firsthand stories of merchants getting penalized or shut down for reasons they say are unfair or unclear. If my business got shut down overnight and I could send $100,000 in an Uber to fix it, I'm probably not going to do it, but I'm certainly going to consider it. So uh, there you go, Amazon sellers. Um, let me know, have you ha- have you been suspended? And if so, uh, how hard was it for you to get your account going again? But this is a pretty damning article uh, for third-party sellers who are making great money. Um, we talked about, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, I mentioned how much business the third-party seller community did during Prime Day. So there's certainly money to be made, but this is one of the aggravations that's out there on the flip side of that. Continuing on with Amazon, um, they posted that Thursday during the three months ending September 30th, their sales grew 37% compared to the same period last year to $96.1 billion and profit increased 197% to $6.3 billion. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, Speaking of third-party sellers, um, Amazon sales from third-party sellers that offer items on its site increased 55%. So huge, huge increases. Amazon expects sales to be between $112 billion and $121 billion during its final quarter of the year, which is, of course, fourth quarter for Christmas, and operating income to be between $1 billion 
and $4.5 billion, which includes approximately $4 billion of costs related to the coronavirus. So they're budgeting already an enormous amount of money for things related to the current ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, and they're still talking about making billions of dollars in profit. Uh, it doesn't say in this article, but I did. I was watching something online, and while their sales grew 37% in the third quarter, their operating expenses also climbed significantly. I think it was 57%. So their cost of doing business also has continued to climb. You would expect that to be kind of in line with their sales growth, but it was quite a bit more. Clearly, they're still making money hand over fist, so uh, more power to them. But uh, there you go if you're an investor. Uh, Amazon stock is still one to look at. Moving on to eBay. eBay admits to overriding shipping selections. This has been, I've seen this repeatedly over the last couple of months in comments on videos and various Facebook groups and messages that didn't matter what shipping option the seller had originally selected with their listing when they went to ship the item it was defaulted to a different more expensive shipping option ebay has finally admitted that yes they in fact were doing that um e-commerce bites has an article that ebay has rolled back a test that was causing major headaches for sellers as reported in October, eBay was intermittently changing first-class shipping labels to more expensive methods of problems sellers had been reporting since as early as September 7th. Uh, eBay says we were testing different things quite a few months ago at the height of the pandemic because shipping carriers were experiencing delays and we, quote, wanted to get the shipments out to your buyers as quickly as possible. Uh, eBay rolled back the test on October 22nd because it saw shipping times improving we were really just trying to find the fastest and most affordable way for you to ship to your buyers. So whatever the buyer chose, there might have been a better, more affordable or faster way to get it to them. And so that's what we were trying to do, make the experience better for both the buyer and the seller. Uh, I call shenanigans. <laughs> uh, if, I, if I only want to ship something first class and that's what the buyer pays for, when I go in to my shipping, I shouldn't it shouldn't default to anything other than what the buyer and the seller have already agreed to. So this was this was not a good look for eBay, in my opinion. Uh, I have noticed when I go into an item, if I just pull up to print the label for that particular item, that change had been made. But if I go into bulk shipping, which is where I do probably 99% of my shipping, it goes back in the bulk shipping to whatever I had originally selected. So this only seemed to be occurring with individual label printing, not with bulk shipping. So a lot of folks may not have even noticed this. It may have been happening to everybody, but if you're a big user of bulk shipping, I, generally speaking, I didn't even look at when you pulled up that first item before you went into bulk shipping to see what the cost was. I started doing that after I kind of started hearing about this and I noticed that same thing. So, uh, Interesting, interesting. Uh, moving on, still with eBay. Stealth program offers seller training. eBay has launched a new program, kind of in hiding, that offers on-demand classes straight from eBay experts. Uh, the program is currently by invitation only as it remains in testing. The eBay Seller School promises to help sellers transform your business with the eBay Seller School. Well, that makes sense, right? <laughs> uh, it's a free online learning to boost your growth on eBay, self-paced, zero cost, and available anytime. The current landing page consists of six categories of courses from which to choose. 
listings, shipping and returns, marketing, business operations, your account and tools and programs. Uh, this will presumably be rolled out in the future and made available to all sellers. It's still kind of in a testing phase, but that's something, it's, especially if you're a newer seller, to kind of be on the lookout for. Uh, so with the bad comes the good. This is a really nice setup. Um, I haven't had a chance to go in and look at it to see if I can even see it since it's by invitation only, but uh, kudos to eBay for rolling out some sort of training for new sellers. Again, sticking with eBay, they have spun off a new organization to reinvent eBay stores. We want to tell our sellers' stories way better. Uh, this according to Bradford Shellhammer, who is one of the directors of eBay. Uh, know that we're going to be telling your story more thoughtfully throughout the next year. eBay will be adding store information, who you are, the year founded, your social links, and ways to save. eBay will also add more visual merchandising, including seller videos. Uh, this presentation was part of the October seller check-in webinar, which took place on October 19th. I will link to that video as well in the uh, show notes and the video description if you want to go see that. It's pretty boring, really. <laughs> uh, the seller check-ins, there's usually some decent information in there, but I watched it and, man, I needed to, I needed to drink some more coffee while that was going on. Man, it was whew, pretty dry. Uh, man, I guess all of these are eBay related. Uh, eBay has announced a final sale option for the authenticity guarantee for luxury watch transactions. Because eBay is committed to helping you sell with confidence, we're now providing extra protection for eligible transactions beginning um, October 26th. eBay is offering a final sale option for items sold in the wristwatches category that meet the following criteria. It is eligible for the authenticity guarantee. It is not eligible for escrow as a payment method. The condition is new with or new without tags. And the seller return policy for the item is no returns or the item's return window has closed. Once an eligible item passes authentication through authenticity guarantee, sellers have completed their obligation to the buyer for that transactions. Uh, transactions that meet this criteria are exempt from significantly not as described claims under eBay's money back guarantee. So uh, if you're a seller of high-end watches, this is a pretty nice program. Next up, uh, it is holiday marketing month on eBay. I'm not going to go over all of this, but I will link to it again. Uh, but there's a whole post about their holiday marketing plans, their branding, what eBay is going to do this holiday season, their online marketing and promotional tools, where of course they hype uh, promoted listings extensively uh, and offsite marketing recommendations, ways to drive traffic to your site. Uh, again, they talk about promoted listings. They talk about using the promotions manager, which I did a video on a couple of weeks ago, um, how I run my kind of monthly inventory clearance sales and how to use social media to drive business to your site. So again, I will link to that in the show notes. Uh, they announced officially the authenticity guarantee for sneakers. We talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, it officially launched on the 27th. The plan ultimately is for this to include all sneakers, $100 and over. For the time being, it only applies to new Jordan and Yeezy sneakers listed in the men's, women's athletic shoe categories and that are selling for $200 or more and are eligible 
for the authenticity guarantee. So this is going to be a slow roll. I think the plan, like we talked about last week, was for this to be in place by early 2021. But if you sell items $200 or over that are Jordans or Yeezys, you may qualify for this authenticity guarantee program, which is pretty sweet. And lastly, uh, eBay reported their third quarter business results. eBay was pretty stoked about it. The investment community seemed a a bit less so. Um, eBay performed better than expected by all measures with gross merchandise volume growth of 22% compared to last year, increased their active buyers by 5%, which brings eBay to 183 million users globally. Revenue grew 25% to $2.6 billion, which was pretty big. Again, um, they talk about the things that they have done with the platform to try to increase growth, one of the big ones being managed payments. And I know there's still a lot of haters out there (laughs) on the managed payments program, uh, but it seems to be having the desired effect, at least for buyers. Again, the investment community felt that eBay kind of lagged behind other platforms with their growth for third quarter. So while eBay seems pretty excited about it, um, on balance, eh, not so much in the investment community. They weren't, they weren't quite as stoked. All right. So with that, it's time to get into the business week. Re- Ooh, wow. That was a struggle. <laughs> the business recap. Uh, we're going to start with last week. Last week was pretty good, pretty good. So this is from October 25th through October 31st. Listings 201. Uh, Normally, if you've been listening to this podcast, it's always a nice even. It's 200 or it's 205, but I got to the end. I got to my 200 and the box I was working on had one more book in it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. (laughs) I'm going to do this last book and I'm glad I did because it's probably a $100 book. So uh, 201 listings for the week sales for the week. Not quite as good as last week, but finished pretty strong. $14.30 and 95 cents. Cost of goods sold for the week was only $39.48, which left my gross profit margin at 97.24% or $13.91.47. So a really profitable week. Operating expenses for last week totaled $546.44. It was about $35 higher than normal because I had to order a couple of rolls of bubble wrap, uh, but not too bad. Net profit for the week, 59.05%. So if this is your first time here, my target every week is to be at 50% or more. So that was a win, 845.03 for the week. Not quite my target, uh, which is $900, but if you take the, the bubble wrap off there, I'm within shouting distance of it. For the month of October, man, October just flew by. It seems like it was just yesterday we were talking about start of the fourth quarter and fall and all that, and boom, October is gone already. Uh, 934 listings completed for the month, so that was pretty solid. Um, again, I try to average about a little over 200 a week, so that's right on target with 31 days in the month. Sourcing, really the only thing I bought was that big, lot of books that we talked about early in the month was about 2,500 books for 460 bucks. So uh, worked out roughly 25 cents a book, give or take. 
Um, that has been a fantastic lot. I'm still wading through it, but uh, I'm way into the money on that. For the month, sales, 57.83 and 77 cents. Uh, last month, I was just a touch over 6,000, so I was a little bit off of that this month, but still pretty solid. I'll take 5,700 bucks. Cost of goods sold for the month, 179 and 14 cents, which left my gross profit margin at 96.9%. Just missed 97%, which is just obscene. <laughs> Uh, the gross profit dollars for the month, 56.04 and 63 cents. Operating expenses for the month. Um, as I talked about, it was a week one or week two in October. I essentially ordered all of the supplies with the exception of this bubble wrap I just bought that I expect to need for fourth quarter. So my operating expenses for the month, 24.52 and 67 cents, which left my net profit at 54.5% or 31.5196. So all in all, uh, we'll chalk October up in the win column. I was pretty pleased with that. Uh, let me know in comments, how did your October go? Did it meet your expectations? Um, are you making good money? How are sales? Are things ramping up for you here in fourth quarter? Let me know what you think. Uh, the projections still are that it's going to be one of the strongest online fourth quarters in history. All of the major players are expecting huge, huge numbers. So make sure you get your stuff listed. Anything that you think is a potential item that's going to sell for Christmas. I'm not really in that game. I'm selling a lot of old books and CDs. So I don't, I don't really have a ton of stuff, but I feel like I've got to get listed necessarily for fourth quarter. I just want to kind of max out my listings. But if you have anything that you think is Christmas type items, you want to get them up as quickly as possible because Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, they're all going to be here before you know it. Time just is flying by. With that, we're going to close it for the week. Thank you so much for stopping by. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.